Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Okay, have you checked out Respite for Your Mind yet on the Rising Above app? You know, I know in my life as a special needs mom that there are so many times when I feel like I am just swirling in the chaos of my life and I need to be reminded, I need a reminder to stop and be still for a minute and to just settle my thoughts and my mind down and focus on the truth of God's love for me and my son. And so that's why we created Respite for Your Mind as a tool to help our special needs families to have those moments to be able to stop and be still. And we have just added a new respite for kids to remind them of the truth of who God says that they are. So go check it out on the Rising Above app, and I know it will be a blessing for you and for your family. My guest today is Todd Marthaler, and Todd has been married to his wife, Hope, for 30 years, and they have three children, two girls named Tessa and Emma, and a son, Sam, who just turned 21 and has autism. And, you know, I always love getting to hear from the dad's unique perspective. And so I had a great conversation with Todd, and I know that you're going to love getting to know more about his family as well. Hey, Todd, thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. I'm so excited about this opportunity to get to know you better and to hear about your family and know about your story. So thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Becky. It's a real pleasure to meet you and a real honor to be part of your show. Well, you and I, I heard about you because you actually had been part of one of our community groups for dads that was meeting for a season with Corey. And Corey was on the show here recently. We shared his story as well. And so he was like, you need to meet my friend Todd and you need to hear his story. And so I'm so glad that you agreed to be on the show because I've said before, I love hearing stories from dads because so often we hear from the moms and I love getting to share the dad's perspective. So I'm excited that we have this opportunity to get to hear from you and hear about your family. So start us off, tell us a little bit about you and your family and where you live. Yeah, so my name is Todd Marthaler. I live in the great state of Ohio. Uh, This is my 12th state that I've lived in. Wow. Uh, But we finally finally found a home here uh, in in Ohio, central Ohio. And I have, and I'm very blessed with uh, three kids. Uh, My oldest uh, is actually uh, an occupational therapist uh, that was... uh, Uh, let's say, passioned and motivated by her experience with her brother, Mm. uh, Sam. Uh, My middle one, uh, Emma, is a college student. She's in her final year uh, locally at a college studying digital media and marketing. And Sam is my 21-year-old aspiring animator who happens to have autism. And he and the kids are uh, just the blessing of our lives. My wife, Hope, and I will be married uh, 30 years in December. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. She's put up with me for a long time. Great, great experience, and, and I couldn't do it. So should we have her on for rebuttal? Oh, I, you know, she, she probably would. <laughs> She's a very candid speaker, and uh, she knows uh, way more about this experience than I do as far as uh, in this base, but... 
It's, no, it's, it's going to be great hearing from you and your story. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, it's so interesting because those of us in the special needs world, we know moms come at the special needs life from one perspective. Dads come at it so often from a different perspective uh, and we experience it in different ways. So, you know, when you think back to those early years, your son's 21 now. Thinking back to those early years when you first got the diagnosis, when you first started realizing, okay, something's different here. You know, this would your this would have been your third child, and so I'm sure you were looking at differences between him and your other children. So, what were what was that like for you early on as a dad when it's a son and you you're seeing, okay, something is different here? How did you approach this season of your life? Well, I think the first thing is just recognition of, of, of things that are going on around you and symptoms. So we were, uh, we were living in Minnesota and uh, we were on the back end of uh, your typical immunizations uh, that occur with all young kids. Sam was a, a newborn uh, at and before one year old and was going through those immunizations and the lights went off. He was a social visual kid, great eye contact, uh, would talk and mimic and all those things. And after uh, a round of, uh, of immunizations, we just saw the lights go off. And he became more inward facing, less eye contact, wouldn't necessarily engage, would stack items and be very uh, internally focused on himself and not really aware of what was going on around him. So that was the first time. And then when he was three, we had an official diagnosis. Mm, yeah. And my wife was the one pushing that to say, hey, we really need to get him diagnosed. Mm -hmm. so I'm like, okay, okay, it's probably just a delay. Yeah. And he was diagnosed with, uh, with autism. Uh, and Sam is more, I would say, middle spectrum right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it took me probably a good year plus to accept that it was not uh, a delay yeah. and that it was autism. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I, we really pushed forward to get him into therapies and, you know, regimens and, and uh, uh, natural supplements and things that we believe would help him with direction from a, from a physician. And it was a long uh, road to where we are yeah. today, which is yeah. pretty amazing progress. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, as you were talking about that, about the coming to that place of acceptance. I know with Jeff, he would joke about, we would call it the quote, a word, because we didn't want to say autism. You know, we would say, well, it could be, you know, quote, a, you know, but we knew, we knew in our hearts, but it's so hard to put a label there because we don't want to see our children with that label. We don't see them, you know, that's not who they are. And so was there something that happened or was there part of the process that helped you kind of transition from, okay, there's something a little different. Maybe it's just a developmental delay to no, this is what we're dealing with. And to be able to push you forward into getting him set up for what he needed to go forth. That's a really difficult question. I think our, our focus in doing with him and taking him where we all go, you know, whether it be out uh, shopping or for dinner or whatever it might be, that he comes with us. He's part of the team. Yeah. He's part of our family. 
So we need to treat him equally and fairly, knowing that he may not respond as effectively. Um, and that was understood that we knew we were going to have to cope with some of those things. Mm -hmm. So going to the zoo or going to a department store and him having a fit and kicking and screaming on the ground. That happened when he was younger. Mm -hmm. And you get those looks of what's wrong with you as a parent or why are you disciplining him? Right. And right. taking that moment to, after a few of those, to get rid of the anger and the resentment of how people treat you mm -hmm. or wondering why he's not responding to you to saying, hey, this is a learning moment. This is a teaching moment and teaching other people what the challenges are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then learning to teach acceptance to others as well mm -hmm. as accepting on your own is really a God moment in that I believe, we believe as a family that we're entrusted with beautiful children who all have amazing abilities. Mm -hmm. And that Sam is one of those three blessings upon us that God entrusted us with someone uh, with special needs and that we can help him succeed. Yeah. So it became more of a mission mm, yeah, and, a, and, a, and a calling than mm -hmm. it was a chore because at the beginning it was, hey, life is changing. It's not going to be as others have it and mm -hmm. you can't compare yourself uh, to what other families have. You got to think about what a great experience you can mm -hmm. have yeah. in this person's life mm -hmm. and see their progress, which is yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. And so often people get stuck, you know, in that place of wanting things to be different than what they have. And so then you're resisting against what really could be God's absolute, well, is God's absolute best for you. And being able to see that, that sense of peace then can come over you when you go, okay, this is God's great good for our family, even though the rest of the world might look at it and not see that at all. Now, I know, you know, my husband, when he was expecting a son, he had so many dreams about taking him to University of Tennessee football games, just like he did with his dad and playing basketball in you know the driveway, just like he did with his dad. And those dreams ended up having to die. So did you experience the same things, you know, when you were knew you were going to be having a son, were there dreams and things that you were like, okay, this is what our life is going to look like. And then you realized, okay, this isn't how it's going to be. And so did you have to lay down some dreams and did those change then into different dreams? I had dreams, but I think the dreams changed pretty quickly, mm. but I like, I like to think of everything in life as an opportunity to, I like, to, uh, I'll call it the spaghetti test. So when you throw your pasta on the fridge to see if it's, <laughs> if if it's done, if <laughs> right. it's really exactly, that's how we approach things. So when I was a kid, my parents were always there to support me playing Little League and other sports as an example, Cub Scouts, all those kinds of things that were community-based, great way to build social relationships and all of those things, and realizing that it wouldn't quite look that way mm -hmm. with Sam. But what I found was a community of people that were not too indifferent than what we were experiencing that had those 
similar feelings, similar challenges, but found outlets for them. So what could have been Little League, uh, you know, became a uh, uh, another league of special needs kids to play mm -hmm. ball. Right. So we did that. We joined Special Olympics and Sam still today does track. He swims. He rides bikes. He plays basketball in his Special Olympics team. And he bowls. I mean, he loves bowling. So that's a in in social in Special Olympics and out of Special mm -hmm. Olympics type of activity for him. So it's finding those things that he enjoys, but it's also challenging him to try new things because mm -hmm. I think with our our kiddos that have special needs, they're more resistant to A, change, and B, new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I learned this lesson from a long time ago, uh, and actually it's probably only been four or five years now from a conversation I was blessed to talk to Temple Grandin. Mm -hmm. And for people who, most people know who Temple Grandin is in the autism world, but for those who don't, share who Temple Grandin is. So Temple Grandin is probably the most accomplished person with autism on record. Uh, in my mind, uh, she's a university professor. She's written several books. She has a patent. Uh, and she's a, a world-renowned speaker mm -hmm. in the space. And the thing that Temple said to me that still resonates today is, don't take necessarily no for an answer. Challenge your kids to aspire to new things. You never know what could happen. Because mm -hmm. that's how she lived her life. Mm -hmm. Her parents didn't give up. Her mom didn't give up on her. And look at where she's been. Yeah. And Sam has been able to take that type of experience and find things that he loves to do. Mm. He is an aspiring animator. Uh, he's written and produced his first cartoon using a click and pick software. Uh, off his uh, his Mac, and it's pretty impressive what That's he's been amazing. able to do. But he loves to do it, Becky. Yeah. So it's finding those things that, mm -hmm. regardless of our kids' abilities or challenges, what do they love to do, and how mm -hmm. we help them succeed? And then I'll push them into other areas, whether it be activity, or it be academia, whether it be work experiences to challenge them to see where they can go yeah. and what they really enjoy. And, 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 and it does happen. For those of people that are listening out there and you're in a space where you've got your kid at a you know, three to five, six years old and you're frustrated, you never know what's going to happen. Just mm -hmm. don't give up. There's so much opportunity out there. It's just finding the right fit for your kid and the right love. And so what are some of the things that you enjoy doing together, you and your son? Oh, goodness. We're... Uh, we're like the dynamic duo, if you will, or, or the, the three musketeers with my wife. So yeah. we have, I mean, two of our kids are, like I mentioned earlier, or two girls are, one's working, and one's uh, in college. So they're not around as much, uh, but we do everything. We'll, when it's warm, we bike ride nearly every day, about two miles. Uh, we'll go bowling two to three times a week, either with Special Olympics or independently together. Uh, we go to movies. We go to museums. We've taken trips. Uh, and the three of us, my wife, uh, Hope, and I, and Sam, we'll pretty much do everything together. Mm -hmm. And shopping is not a, a, a preferred activity for Sam, but he'll do it. And some of this is how you incent your kids 
if there's a, a pizza or a cheeseburger and fry at the end of the <laughs> end of that, that trip. Yeah, exactly. He's all then, in. Uh, he'll yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. So it, not everything's a pervert activity, but I think that's the magic. It, yeah. It's playing Mario Kart or a video game mm -hmm. and knowing that, okay, it's not the most stimulating thing, but it's important to him and we have right. fun and we do it together. Yeah. He likes beating me, <laughs> which, is okay, which is okay. Which kid and, doesn't uh, like beating their dad at something, you know? Right. So, so there's, yeah, and that's very typical. And yeah. I think what people need to remember, we as parents, that our special kids do a lot of very typical, but still special things. Yeah, absolutely. And recognizing those and, and taking those triumphs. Mm -hmm. This week, Sam, for the first time, took communion in church. Did he completely understand it? No. But we did it together. Yeah. And each week when we do it in his class, we're going to practice it. Uh, and he appreciates and understands who God is. And the way I know that is if you ask Sam, what is Christmas all about? He doesn't give you the Charlie Brown line, but he, he, he enjoys that, that movie. He says, it's Jesus's birthday. Mm, yeah. So it's not about Santa. It's not about Rudolph. It's about Jesus. Yeah. It's not about gifts. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's those simple things that uh, that are so important that he understands. And I don't know that every every kid does today. So yeah. it, it makes me feel good inside to see his progress. Well, you said something that Corey Ferguson also said in his episode where he talked about, you know, he does activities with his kids that are not necessarily things he enjoys. But because they enjoy them, he goes into their world and does things to engage with them and what's going to bring them joy. And to me, that is what sacrifice is all about as a parent. You know, we're not going to force them to do things. I mean, like you said, he, he goes grocery shopping with you. You have things that he does that maybe are not his top things that he wants to do. But this journey is parenting, especially in the, the special needs world. It's all about dying to ourselves over and over and over again. Uh, but I think you and I would both say that, but when we do that, we actually see beautiful life that comes from that. And I'm sure that's been your experience as well. Um, and, you know, when, you, when people see your son and you all are out and about as, as a family, what are you hoping people see and notice about your son? His very interesting sense of humor about how he expresses himself and says things in such plain language that they're funny. Mm. And I wish I had a really That's, good example. Yeah. But it's it's the the brutal honesty of what he says or what he observes is I have so much respect for. Mm -hmm. um, I think they see in him someone that um, appreciates structure and order to a point, but has energy. Um, he's very vital he's playful mm. in many ways um he still has challenges social challenges yeah. that you know you have to really uh create structure for social activities but i hope people see in him the honesty the love and the playfulness of who he is because he's such a genuine individual mm. man yeah. he's a man he's 21 yeah. which is yeah pretty amazing stuff and he says things to me like i'm young and and he talks about all all types of topics now where he's yeah. less 
um, he's less prompted to drive conversation, mm. which I think is a big challenge for a lot of these kids is to yeah. get him into conversation and get beyond more than an exchange of mm -hmm. hi, how are you? What did you do right, last night? Right. That's great. Well, you know, I'm a big believer in that we as parents, we set the tone in our household and, and especially the role of the dad. You know, you've got a very important role in your family in that you're, you're the watchman on the tower and you're the gatekeeper as to what comes in and out of your home. And how have you made that a priority in your family? What are some things that you do to keep the chaos out or keep things calm in your home when, you know, the world is swirling all around us? What are some things you do to be the gatekeeper and the watchman on the wall for your family? I think some of it's creating structure specifically for Sam and also creating activities and engaging what we can do together. And I think my wife and I both do this. Mm -hmm. But for Sam, one of the things that we started and, and I was a real big proponent on was something as simple as having chores. So he's a scheduled kid. We print out a Microsoft Office calendar every month and Sam writes down his chores. Mm -hmm. And every Saturday he puts his clothes away and every Sunday he empties the garbages in the house. We have acreage now, so we're very fortunate. He helps out with the animals so when he can. And I think applying structure, Becky, is one of the most important things. So he's not idle and he's up moving around and using his muscles, which I think is a huge thing. Uh, I think the other thing is creating structure around, uh, around God and around his experiences with the Lord, where pretty much every Sunday we go to church. He has a, a special needs ministry that he participates in called bodybuilders at the vineyard. And that's our time, my wife and I, my time to, to pray and to be in church. And it's his opportunity to get engaged with other uh, adults and teens with special needs in, in God's word. And that's a rig rigorous every week kind of, cool thing that yeah. we do. And I think that helps a lot, having that structure, knowing mm -hmm. that, you know, hey, after church, we'll go get some lunch. And then we have swimming in the afternoon if it's in the wintertime, or we have basketball on Mondays. We stay active. So I think structured activities, um, experiences with God are really important. And then encouraging his, his love of animation and keeping him focused and giving him the tools to succeed. It used to be that we would, uh, I would take him to classes at Columbus College of Art and Design where he'd learn animation software programs that are very challenging. Mm. And eventually we came to a happy place of finding a software that he could work with and actually build his own cartoon with his own characters, which is pretty cool. So one of the things we did, uh, I did about two years ago now, I use a software application called Cameo. I don't know if you ever heard of it, no. but it's where you can get celebrities to give you a testimonial or an encouragement, encouraging word to your kid. Huh. And I had Butch Hartman, who's the executive producer and creator of things like The Fairly Odd Parents and Tough Puppy and some of these other cartoons on Nickelodeon, who Sam knew to actually give Sam a shout out of encouragement. 
And Butch actually gave Sam a one minute lesson on how to create storyboards, your own character, what your characters should have as personas and how to write stories and have, you know, characters that, you know, are good guys and bad guys that have a, a likable side to them. And it was just, and I'm not sure how much he liked it, but he listened. He went out and created his own book of storyboard characters and stories within it. And that's what he's working from right now and building his own cartoons. So I think feeding the beast, if you will, feeding the passion mm -hmm. that our kids have and allowing them to be creative is a huge thing. And every kid's got something different. But it probably took us maybe six, seven years to find it out that that was what he really loved to do. And he started by drawing with sidewalk chalk on the driveway, uh -huh. drawing, drawing characters. Wow. Like, wow, he can really draw. Maybe mm. we should do something with this. So we tried all sorts of different things. Again, yeah. the spaghetti test, what seems to stick. Right. And this one software on his Mac has um, really catapulted him to, to building some cool stuff. Well, and what's fun for me is I see you getting so excited talking about it. You know, I, I see the excitement and, you know, the, your pride in him for being able to do this. And, and so it's, it's sweet to see that your excitement for him to be successful. In, yeah, uh, he, went from a, he went from being a nonverbal, frustrated young man to a mature active creative man mm, yeah and it you know, took 18 years to get there but i'm excited to see what happens next what does god have in store mm, for him yeah and i don't know all the answers i'm working with different people to network and get his his story out there but i know that that's god's mission for hope and myself as parents and our girls because our girls have become his not only best bunnies, but also his advocates mm. in many ways. Yeah. So they're both trained to be providers as my wife is, as I have. Mm -hmm. So their interest in his challenges and his opportunities have made them more sensitive to other folks with disabilities. So it's interesting. That, that sibling dynamic can often be so challenging. And so it sounds like, your daughters have totally rallied behind, accepted, and come right alongside him. So were there certain things that you did growing up to make them feel included and make them be a part and not feel like all the focus was on him and, and what you were dealing with with him? How did you do that? Because so often we see in families, that's not the case. So what words of wisdom do you have to share to help other parents who may be trying to figure out how to balance the sibling dynamic? I think it's, 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 there's no single formula for that, but our experience was initially we tried all together when he was really young and we found that distracting and difficult for the girls because they felt we were spending more time to correct, try to correct or help him mm -hmm. than we were with him. Even when we were all out together as five, then we went into a stage of divide and conquer girls and guys do their own thing. <laughs> so Sam and I would go find something we'd mm -hmm. like to do. They would go off and do what they like to do. And then over time, I, and I think it's the maturity of the girls, 
where things really started to click between some of the messaging for like sib shops and the schools that they were a part of mm -hmm. and meeting other kids with special needs. They realized, I think, not only lucky they were to have Sam, but how they could really help him. And, and that made them feel good. And I think it kind of triggered a, a, a switch from jealousy or, you know, why are you giving him all this attention mm -hmm. and not me to, uh, hey, we can do this stuff together. And then it was, hey, we're going to go to Disney. And guess what? Everybody's going together. We're all going on the plane. We're going to visit the grandparents. We're all going together. Big trips were never an issue at some point mm -hmm. uh, later as, as he got older because he was more mature and they were more mature right. to be able to handle it. And they still had their own time with us to bond and do other things because they think you still need to provide individual attention to your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And now we're doing it together. So Sam and I have things that we do together. Mm -hmm. We have things we do together the three of us and hope has things that he does with uh, she does with Sam as well. Well, we here at rising above, you know, we are big believers in the power of community and being with other like-minded parents who get and understand our life just to help us on this journey. And so I know, like I said, you were part of one of our rising above community groups and how have you seen finding your quote unquote band of brothers help you on your journey as a special needs dad? And what would you say to those dads who, I know, you know, for women, it's really super easy. We can get together and talk about everything under the sun, super easy. But for dads, it's almost a lot of times more challenging. So how have you found that to be a part of your life, finding that group of dads that you can be in community with, pour into each other? How has that impacted you on your journey as a special needs dad? I think it's changed. I think it's come from a place of finding, just finding other dads that were willing to get together and share their stories. I think, and this is not true of all dads, but I think a great deal of uh, number of dads don't want to talk about it or they're focused in on coping on their own mm -hmm. because that's what they know. Right. And women generally, I think, have, a, they're better at bonding around and rallying around this. Uh, I think what we found was community and family. Mm. And this is where it started to turn. So we had social media groups of autism parents, not just moms or dads, but parents. And we started to get together the, with them through church through Special Olympics, you know, planned activities, celebrations, you know, end of the season things for sports or other activities. And that's how we got to know each other. And that is the social structure that I even know. And I have since, and this is just over the course of the last couple of years, gotten to know other special needs dads through these groups, mm -hmm. through Rising Above, uh, through my experience at Vineyard, through Special Olympics, different groups. Uh, and we're still trying to figure that out. We're still trying to bond and, and get groups together. And Corey and I have, uh, as you know him, uh, we, ha we try to get together with other dads on a monthly basis whenever we can. Mm -hmm. But I also, and, and my wife does as well, we have other groups that, of parents that don't have special needs kids. And, that's and we just get too. together with yeah. them because there, there, there aren't as many, there are more 
folks out there, I think that are more social based on their situation and they don't right. have as many challenges where they can engage more than folks dealing, you know, parents dealing with special needs where maybe they can't get out as much. So it's a combination, Becky, of those yeah. that I think makes us successful. But uh, straight up, it's still something I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to be figuring this out till till the end of time. So yeah, it's, it's a- For it's sure. A, it's a you know trying to figure out day to day what's what's going to work today. Oftentimes, isn't it? Oh so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, our theme this year at Rising Above is restoration, and we're talking this entire year about ways that we can allow God to bring restoration into our lives. You know, special needs parents and just life in general. There's so many things that pull at us, that tear at us, that break our hearts, and so we're wanting to uh, give our families practices of ways that you can bring restoration into your life. And so are there certain things you're doing right now that God's just really healing some places in your heart, maybe bringing restoration into some areas in your, your heart, in your life? Yeah. And I, I consider myself, I think we consider ourselves very blessed already with all the progress. Uh, So a lot of this is maintaining and stretching a little bit. So I do have a rigor where I participate in a daily social media-based prayer call with church where we go through a chapter and verse uh, and uh, share the challenges and ask for uh, help in what we're praying for and pray for each other. So that's something I do every day. Uh, We have church on Sundays, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think it's therapeutic as we focus in on our kids, all of our kids and our, our spouses, that we also have time to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that helps us reflect on some of those things that are more important. And then appreciate the time you have with your kids and, and your and your spouse um, more often. So uh, Todd's midlife crisis is uh, fly fishing. I'm learning ah, how to fly fish. I've been at it for cool. about three years now, and I'm still learning to figure it out. Uh, but I do that with a buddy and a guide, and we go out once a quarter, mm. uh, once every three, four months, mm. and do our thing. And being out in nature. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you're out in the quiet. Uh, you're enjoying the you know, the solitude. It gives you time to think. Um, it's a great activity. So it's those outdoor activities I think are really important. Uh, we like to hike as a family. So I find that very therapeutic um, whenever I can get off my phone for work right. and talk to folks like you is very helpful too. Um, and I think it's, it's not only the quiet and the peace of doing something independently, but it's finding groups of people where you can not only socialize, but share your story and yeah. gain some support because we all need support. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. and it doesn't always come just from family. It, it can come from other places. And trying to find that in structure and organized group is a big challenge. But some of those groups that I mentioned, the church and Special Olympics and community activities, autism, family, social groups, those are really important that people uh, take advantage of. Well, Todd, thank you so much for your giving of your time today, sharing part of your story with us and letting us hear the dad perspective to the special needs journey. And uh, I'm just grateful for you and loved getting to know more about you and your family. So thank you so much. Thank you, Becky. And thanks for all you do at Rising Above and 
your family's story is very inspirational. So thank you for sharing and and keeping that story going. It's uh, it's very uh, uh, therapeutic and uh, very spiritual, and I'm much appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.